The benefits of investing in real estate are numerous. With all chosen assets, investors can enjoy predictable cash flow, excellent returns, tax advantages, and diversification. And it's possible to leverage real estate to build wealth. Thinking about investing in real estate, here's what you need to know about real estate benefits and why real estate is considered a good investment. Real estate investors make money through rental income, appreciation, and profits generated by businesses, activities that depends on the property. The benefits of investing in real estate include passive income, stable cash flow, tax advantages, diversification, and leverage. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. No kidding. Breaking down a switch in front of your building. Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. Last night it was a cold killer. You gotta keep the devil in this hole, nigga. And also, real estate investment trust, called R-E-I-T-S, REITs, offer a way to invest in real estate without having to own, operate, or finance properties. Cash flow is the net income from a real estate investment after mortgage payments and operating expenses have been made. A key benefit of real estate investing is its ability to generate cash flow. In many cases, cash flow only strengthens over time as you pay down your mortgage and build up your equity. With real estate investing and buying houses, a lot of people think when you own a house, you own a property that is an asset. Well, if that property is not making money, is not making you money throughout your lifetime, then mm, it's very debatable that if that if that's property, if that property is an asset or is a liability. With all that being said, we need to take a look and what the fundamentals of real estate is. And that look is gonna help people that wanna become an agent, investors, and other people that just wanna understand more about the real estate industry, the market, and accumulate some knowledge. So to fully understand real estate, first we gotta define what real estate is. So in common law, the term real estate refers to the land and fixed improvements to the land. Typically, real estate is defined as all encompasses land along with improvements to the land, such as buildings, fences, wells, and other site improvements that are fixed in location. So in general, if an item cannot be removed from the property without causing damage to the property, it is considered a fixture and part of the real estate. These permanent or fixed improvements called <laughs> called fixtures typically affect the use and the value of the land. So the items not strictly are fixed to the land or buildings, such as furnishing and appliances, they are not considered part of the real estate. These movable items are referred to as personal property or chattels. The term industry member is used and the act and the rules to refer to any person who is authorized by the Real Estate Council of Alberta. So the factor of production and distribution of goods and services requires the use of economic resources called factors of production. They include land, labor, capital, entrepreneurship. So now we have learned about the factors of production and we have defined what real estate is. So now we got to take a look into resource markets. Resource markets facilitate the exchange of the four factors of production. 
First, you got land. We've said that in the factors of production already, land, labor, capital, entrepreneurship. These markets are also a key component in the continuous movement of production. I hope that you have written this part. These markets are a key component in the continuous movement of production. Income and resources between producers and consumers and the economy. Don't let this one fly over your head. As a lot of people already know about the economy, our Canadian economy, I don't know where you're listening to this, but in the Canadian economy, it is referred to as a fixed economy. It includes a combination of private ownership and public enterprise with centralized economic planning and government regulation for the public sector. So these private and public sector benefit each other. The private sector's goal is to make profit, like any business, you need to make profit with it, right? Government collects tax on this profit, which can be used to provide goods and services to the people. So now if you're going into the economy, you also got to understand the supply and demand, which makes a big part of the economy. So first we start with the supply, which is a quantity, which it can be defined as the quantity supplied is the amount of good or service the market can offer at a certain price. So the higher the price something can be sold at, the more supply will be produced. So the supply line shows how price affects the quantity demanded. So when you look at the supply, there is stuff called non-price determinants, you know? So these factors that I'm about to say, they affect the supply. So the things that affect the supply, which is called the non-price determinants, they are the production costs, the technology, the producer expectations, number of suppliers in the market, and government taxes and subsidies. I'm just going to repeat that again. So these factors that are called non-price determinants affect the supply. They are production cost, technology, producer expectations, number of suppliers in the market, government taxes and subsidies. So now you have to understand that the movements along the supply line occur when a change in quantity supplied is caused only by a change in price. I'm just gonna pause a moment, let that sink in, let you take all that in, and then I will continue. So the shifts in supply line occur when there are changes in influencing factors other than the price, which are the non-price determinants. Some of these influencing factors that can cause a shift in supply line are the production of cost, you know, like a change in that, a change in the technology, a change in the producer expectations, a change in the number of suppliers in the market, a change in government taxes and subsidies. So now everybody have, you know, we all have a good idea of what supply is, the things that affect the supply. So now we're just going to dive into demand to see what affects the demand. So a quick, de a quick definition of what demand is. So the demand refers to the quantity of a good or service that would be bought at a certain price over a period of time. So the key that affects the demand, so we call that the non-price determinant or a change in market size, consumer's expectations, availability of credit, consumer's disposable income, consumer's taste and preferences, price of substitute or complementary product. Like a consumer taste and preferences have nothing to do with the price, right? So the movement along the supply line occur when there's a change in the price of the product or service which leads to a change and the quantity demanded. So the demand line shows how price affects the quantity demanded. 
So the shifts in the demand line occur when there's a change and an influencing factor other than the, other than the price. So let's take an example for a second. So if there's a shift in the demand line, right? What is going to cause that shift? You got it right. It's going to be the known price determinant, right? Okay. So we know what the known price determinants are already. Like if I keep re repeating myself, you guys might get tired of it, but I'm just going to say it one last time. They are the market size, the consumer's expectations, availability of credit, consumer's disposable of income, consumer's taste and preferences, what you like. You know what I mean? Everybody get their own taste. Price of substitutes, of substitutes, substitutes, substitute, uh, you know, whatever, or complementary products. So we've gotten into the demand, we've gotten into the supply. Since we're learning about the, a, a little bit, a small, small minimum aspect of the economy, we also got to jump into the market equilibrium. This one is pretty self-explanatory. You just got to find the balance between the, mar the market, between the supply and the demand. And then now we got to look into the market surplus. It occurs when the quantity supplied exceeds the quantity demanded at the current price. So market surplus occurs when the current price exceeds equilibrium price, which leads to a smaller quantity demanded. Supplies will then begin to drop prices to clear inventory, which in turn increases the demand till both demand and supply are back in equilibrium. So this is what the market surplus is. It only occurs when the quantity supplied exceeds the quantity demanded. So now if there's market surplus, of course, there's going to be a market shortage also. So the way you can define a market shortage, it is going to be a market shortage occurs when the quantity demanded exceeds the quantity supplied at the current price. So this market shortage occurs when the current price is lower than the equilibrium price. So the lower price causes a greater demand than the quantity supplied. So <laughs> you as the seller is now going to raise their prices, which causes the demand to decline. You dig? <laughs> So now business indicators, right? What are they? And first of all, what is a business indicator? So the business indicator like GDP, GNP, they measure how the Canadian government determined the level of national economic output. A lot of fancy word, right? A lot of fancy word. Bear with me for a second. So the GDP, which is the gross domestic product, is the monetary value of all finished goods and services produced within the country so within canada so the gdp is going to include all type of things like the you know government and business spending the exports the imports there's a quick formula for the, to calculate the gdp though so the formula for that is consumer spending plus government spending plus business spending plus Experts <laughs> now we have a minus imports, right? So now you got gross national product, which is the GNP. This is this one is very is different than the GDP. So this one is a method to measure the output of the economy. So that one, the GNP, is the monetary values of all finished goods by country citizens 
an enterprise whether physically located in its borders or abroad. So now we definitely gotta get into the CPI which is the consumer price index. The CPI measures the change in consumer prices experienced by Canadians. It measures the cost of a fixed basket of goods and services purchased by families and individuals over the time. So, if you have natural resources, unique capital, rate of savings, technological progress. So let's dive into the capital. The process of acquiring capital is called investment. So if anybody asks you, what is investment? You just tell them it is the process of acquiring capital. Very simple definition. More capital generally means more production and more production typically means more growth. The quality of the capital is important as well. For instance, equipping workers with better machines is likely to make those workers more productive. Each worker is gonna be able to produce more in the same time. You got that? So, now, obviously, I'm gonna let you guess this one, right? I'm gonna explain it to you. The size of an economy grows as more inputs right so so the size of the economy grows as more inputs are used in production so since capital investment is financed by savings the growth of capital is limited by the willingness of society to postpone consumption and save this in turn should lead to more growth so now this one that i just said is the rate of savings so now we get the rate of savings you get capital you got natural resources so now we got to understand technological progress so this one is simple. It is the implementation of improved techniques for using scarce resources more productively. So the better the technology is, most likely the more the economy is going to boost. This one is gonna, you know, it's gonna zoom like the flash. You know what I mean? With technological progress. You can see a movement that's going on right now with electrical vehicle. That right there is a technological progress. So to fully understand everything, you can't not just look at one aspect. You also gotta look at the benefits of economic growth. So to sustain the economic growth, the benefits that flow from a growing economy include the improved standard of living. So there's, you know, and theoretically there should be less homeless people in the street. It should stimulate employment. It should increase government revenue. It should increase the capital investment and also enhance the business confidence. So with a pro, there's a con. So the cost of economic growth, while the economic growth improves a country's overall development, it also creates the development cost. So that one depletes natural resources as economic growth occurs, the depletion of renewable and non-renewable resources to produce goods and services becomes an increasing concern. It raises inflation rate, so now the economy grows too quickly, there is the risk that the demand for goods and services will rise above the producers, above what they can supply. This typically results in price increase for goods and services. And this is why people are telling you, invest your money in Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is a set amount of coin that is available. You cannot just raise the price whenever you feel like it. This is kind of off topic, for uh, by the way, but we're looking at the cons, right? So 
Also, it's going to increase the environmental impacts. Then increased output tends to put pressure on the environment, which can create neg like negative effects such as increased air, water, and noise pollution, plus traffic. Nobody likes traffic, man. You go in New York City, bro, you barely can drive your car around. You got to take a taxi everywhere because it'll take hours and hours. Oh, this is besides the point again. You know, I'm kind of kind of losing you guys. You know, I'm losing you guys a little bit. So what are, what are the economic growth indicators? While there are a number of economic variables that are used to project or forecast future economic conditions, there are real estate indicators that help whether an economy may be heading towards a period of economic expansion or contraction. So let's look into these indicators for a second. Housing starts, real estate sales, building permits issues. So all these three things right there, what are they? What are they? So housing starts generally refers to the number of residential buildings or units in a given period that are under construction. The level of housing activities or housing starts has long been recognized as a key gauge of economic conditions. It changes in the number of housings being built, you know? So the changes in the number of, housing be of houses being built have an important implication for the direction in which the economy is headed. Think about that for a second. You thought about it? All right. So real estate sales, this one is a good indicator also because the number of real estate sales within a given period is another closely watched indicator affecting a market-driven economy. When unemployment is high and consumer confidence decreases, crushed, people are crying, people don't want to buy no house, real estate tend to be weak. However, historical data also suggests that low mortgage rates Job growth and increasing in consumer purchasing power helps elevate the demand for real estate. So I think what the hell does building permit issue has to do with an indicator to watch the real estate, to watch, you know, how the market is doing, to watch if the economy is prospering. <laughs> A building permit is written document issued by the municipal government granting permission for the construction of a new property or for the alteration, demolition, renovation, relocation of an existing property. Building permits indicate the intention of builder to start a new residential and commercial construction. The number of building permits, it should tell economists something about the number of housing stores or commercial projects to be commenced in the near future. With the usual implication for change in output and employment, if the number of building permits issued is rising, it bodes well for future economic growth while a decrease in the number of building permits issued has the opposite implication for the economy. So I want to break this into little parts that is digestible, that you can take, that you can, when you listen to it, you'll be able to understand without falling asleep. So I don't want to make it too long. A lot of people have been messaging me, texting me, calling me, blowing up my phone nonstop, telling me, yo, I need you to explain to me while you're learning. They want me to explain what I'm learning to them. While I'm learning, you're also learning while I'm making money. You're also making money. So this is a way of me sharing my knowledge to you. For you to understand real estate a little bit better. So we got the part one today. We're going to have the part two tomorrow. Until we finish the whole realistic course together through this podcast. So you don't have to, you know, spend sleepless night, man. Man, I spent sleepless night trying to get my license. And for some people, it is very hard. For other people, it is not hard at all. 
regardless of where you are in the spectrum this is going to help you tremendously we got part one to get today we went through it together and we're going to go to part two tomorrow until we finish each of the module this is a summarized part of it this is not any advice professional advice that you should take with you this is purely my opinion and this is my way of understanding the course and this has nothing to do with rika this is purely me so you guys don't go and you know bash rika or anything you know if you have any problem any question you can just dm me on instagram at robert and for real robertson for real or you can search my name new john refuse on the internet something should pop up you will find it Another way to contact me is the professional email that I have as a professional email is info at verandas.co. Thank you for listening. Reach me on social media. Check out, check out my YouTube channel and make sure that you follow this podcast. You listen to it so we can make money together. This is Let's Talk on NGHD and see you guys next time.